Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So I have a stupid joke. <laughs> when you're at a party, don't eat too much cheese dip. You might end up with a bad queso diarrhea. What? Queso is cheese. <laughs> oh, God. That's gross. Queso diarrhea. <laughs> okay, they're getting hard to find. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, moving on. So I got some... They're uh, bits of wisdom from kids. Oh, I love this stuff. Yes, and I hope you haven't, because I know you've done these a few times, so I hope I haven't. I don't read something over again. But uh, the question is, what is love by Emma, age six? Love is when you're missing some of your teeth, but you're not afraid to smile because you know your friends will still love you, even though some of your teeth are missing. Aww. <laughs> That's sweet. It's not true, but it's sweet. (laughs) Um, When at first you don't succeed, just sit down and eat cake. Then try again. Hey, (laughs) I'll go for that one. (laughs) Um, This one's from Joseph. It takes balls to be a dad. Oh, well. (laughs) Wonder where he heard that from. Mm Mm-hmm. Couldn't imagine. <laughs> this one you might have done before, but I think it's hilarious. So uh, it says, when I was eight years old, my neighbor's dog kept pooping in my yard. So one day I pooped on his yard. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's got the little kid handwriting. It's so funny. <laughs> Next one, if the shoe fits is the question and the kids are supposed to uh, finish the phrase. So, if the shoe fits, buy it in every color. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sounds like a diva to me. Yes, girl. Uh, let's see. Uh, this kid says, "Sorry because of nothing." <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a few adults I know. Yeah, really. <laughs> this one's great. Love who you are. Never give up. Be calm in yourself. Stand up for yourself. You are a superhero. Believe in yourself and be brave. Aww. It's from a little kid. That's so cute. I know. It's very inspiring. It is. Like, hell yes. Yeah. Uh, This one is from Deacon, age seven. If you put duct tape on a chicken, will it fall off or do you need chicken tape? Okay. <laughs> um, these are actually uh, wisdom from kids that were printed in newspapers. Hmm. There's only a couple of these, I think. Uh, this one's titled, Never Argue with Children. A little girl was talking to her teacher about whales. The teacher said it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human because even though it was a very large mammal, its throat was very small. The little girl stated that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Irritated, the teacher reiterated that the whale could not swallow a human. It was physically impossible. The little girl said, when I get to heaven, I will ask Jonah. The teacher asked, what if Jonah went to hell? The little girl replied, then you ask him. (laughs) That is awesome. Where is this going? <laughs> I bet that teacher was like, what's that? I know. <laughs> you know, so she was thinking. I know, right? You little asshole. <laughs> okay, next one. The, um, the title, or the headline is Waterford Boy 8 Saves Sister's Life. He says about it, quote, I wouldn't do it again. She's been a pain this week. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The 
question is, what does Christmas mean to you? And this is by Morgan, who is a fifth grader. He says, on Christmas morning, we get up, open our stockings, wait for my dad to poop, and then open our presents. <laughs> After that, we eat breakfast. Well, that's what Christmas means to me. <laughs> His dad probably read that and was like, oh my God. <laughs> yes. uh, next one, the question is, how would you make a marriage work? This is Ricky, age 10. Tell your wife that she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. <laughs> it says in quotes, he'll be married forever. <laughs> um, this is a Thanksgiving article, and the question is, what are you thankful for? Uh, it doesn't say her name, but little girl says, I'm thankful for all the dead people because at least they tried. <laughs> Alrighty. <laughs> and my last one. It's the greatest thing I've ever read in my life. This it's it's a st sticker story, so I'm not sure what that is is, but I'm they're I think they're supposed to write uh, about something that they like. Okay. This kid wrote about whores. Oh, I like whores. Whores have other whore friends. Whores like carrots. You wouldn't think they could, but they could put their legs straight up. <laughs> whores make you feel good. My dad wants a horse, but my mom says no. When I'm 16 or 20, I will buy my own horse. did time travel and other dimensions oh yay i got this from liveabout.com and i have not read any of them because i wanted it to be a surprise <laughs> you want to be like brandy this week no that's well. so funny because i was copying pasting my stories and i totally wasn't gonna read it and i was like i better just in case so i read mine oh. this week <laughs> okay as usual, the long work day was coming to an end and I was dutifully putting the last load of laundered clothes away in our bedroom when I heard a ruckus on the baby monitor just a few feet away from me. I thought it strange when I knew my husband and toddler were both in the living room quietly watching TV as my two-year-old drifted silently off to sleep curled in my husband's lap as he caught the evening news. The bedroom door was straight in front of me and I could see all the way down the hall to my husband and son in the lazy boy chair as this ruckus over the monitor continued. It didn't take long for me to realize the sounds were very familiar. Earlier in the day I was in my toddler's bedroom putting a load of folded clothes into the drawers and picked up some stray toys and books that weren't being played with at the time. As I was doing so I was telling my son about the story of Jack and the Beanstalk for the first time. Now I stood in disbelief as I heard the drawers being pulled open and shut and rustling of the toys and books being put into their proper places, but I nearly fainted when I heard my son's voice over the monitor. I kept looking back and forth at my husband and now sleeping son in the chair in the living room and the monitor sitting on my dresser that was literally replaying the specific events from earlier in the day. <gasps> The monitor is a standard baby monitor bought from Walmart and is not a recorder, but instead monitors the sounds coming from the room as they are happening at present time only. I listened as my voice retold the story of Jack and the Beanstalk and listened with familiarity as my son responded in baby talk to the tale he had never heard before. The incredible part was this all happened five hours earlier on the same day. Oh my gosh. I quickly called my husband into the room as he listened to the last part of the story with my voice coming through the monitor and our son's coos and chuckles. He stood stunned and turned his head and looked at our sleeping son flop peace peacefully over his shoulder. In disbelief, he asked, how in the hell? As his voice drifted off, trying not to miss a thing. I just stared at him in the same disbelief and we both sh just shook our heads. Was that it? That was it. Oh my gosh. Oh, wait. Oh. 
Oh, no, it's not it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> this has never happened before or since and became pretty clear from the beginning that we were listening to some kind of t- warp in time. I never imagined in a million years that I would be witness to it and must admit, if it should happen to you, it is indeed one of the most incredible moments one can ever experience. Holy shit. That would freak me the fuck out. Yes, that is scary. I got chills. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay, it's my next one. I was walking in downtown Tacoma, Washington one evening around nine o'clock. It was on my way to meet a friend. I was on my way to meet a friend at a certain intersection. The year was 1976. I was enlisted in the U.S. Army and was stationed at Fort Lewis. I remember it was the month of April. As I was walking, I started wondering what time it was. So I looked around for the nearest store where I could find out the time. I looked across the street, and there was a walk-in movie theater. I figured that was as good a place as any. Then the weirdest thing happened. I started to cross the street, and the next thing I knew, my vision was clearing up, and I was standing in front of the ticket counter inside the theater lobby. I had a ferocious headache, and my legs felt very unsteady. I recovered a little, but that headache was something else. I bowed and started rubbing my forehead. After a minute or so, I heard a gasp. I looked up, and there was this pretty girl on the other side of the counter with a surprised look on her face. She asked me how I got in. With the throbbing pain in my head, I looked at her and didn't know how to answer her. I was confused. I started to walk toward the counter, and she backed away. Now she had a scared look on her face. She asked me again how I got in. I looked up at the wall behind her. There was a clock hanging there. I started to mutter, what time is it? She then told me I had better leave or she'll call the police. I felt so weird. It's hard to explain. I felt like I had broken through into a territory I didn't recognize. I stood there for a few minutes. That's when the girl went into the back room. I could hear her talking to someone. I turned around and started to walk towards the entrance. That's when this big guy came out of the back room, walked around the counter, and before I could say anything, grabbed me by the arm pulled me toward the entryway, unlocked the door, and shoved me outside. He told me to get out of there and went back inside. I still couldn't figure out what was going on. I stood there looking around, rubbing my head. Then it dawned on me. The time on the clock read past midnight. I looked back at the theater. It had a closed sign on the front door. The girl and the guy were still there looking at me. Then the big guy opened the door again and warned me that if I didn't leave that instant, he was going to kick me in the butt. So I started to walk away, still confused, and as I was walking, I heard the guy say, I don't know how you got inside with the door being locked, but you better not come back. The headache eventually went away, and I never did meet my friend. What the fuck? Isn't that weird? What are you, like, time travel into the movie theater? I get, I don't, or stepped into some kind of... Oh my gosh. I don't know. That's creepy. It all began when Rick and I were going to a friend's house last September. We were driving Rick's beat-up old truck, and the drive went smoothly smoothly for the first 45 minutes. Suddenly, the truck's engine died, and Rick and I were stranded on a deserted highway in the middle of the night. We were surrounded on both sides of the road by cornfields that stretched into the distance. Rick began a desperate effort to restart the truck and fix the broken engine. He tried to fix the truck in vain, but nothing seemed to work. Rick finally gave up, and we decided to walk to the nearest town, about two miles away, to find a payphone to call our friend. We walked for what seemed like hours, and the town was nowhere in sight. However, just when desperation was about to grip us, we saw a light, a gloriously bright light, shining over the steep hill ahead of us. We ran up up the steep hill that blocked us from the light and were flabbergasted by what we saw. Just over the hill, Rick and I saw what could only be described as a futuristic city with lights streaming out of every window of the massive metallic towers. In the middle of the futuristic city was a huge silver dome. I stared at the city, stunned, until Rick elbowed me, which pulled me out of my trance, and he pointed to the sky. Hovering above the city were hundreds of hovercraft. One flew toward us with amazing speed. Rick and I were so scared that we took off running back to the broken down truck. I never looked back, but I felt someone watching me the whole way. 
When we got back to the trek, it started without difficulty and Rick and I took off as fast as we could in the opposite direction. We never went back or spoke of it again to this day. Whoa. That's weird. Futuristic city. With hovercrafts. Oh my gosh. That's creepy. That's weird. You know what that sounds like to me? You know how they, um, or I've heard before that aliens aren't aliens like we think they are. They're just Mm -hmm. in a different dimension and they could be like in the room. Mm Mm-hmm. That sounds like they crossed over into that dimension, like yeah. that alien dimension that they weren't supposed to be in. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's weird, though. It's like, obviously, they went back the other way, but did they drive through something? I mean, that, well, and that's just like the one that you just read, like, just walking across the street one day and... Next thing you know, you have a headache and you're getting kicked out of a movie theater, you know? Like, what the fuck? That's crazy. My husband and I live in the deep woods of East Texas near a tiny place called Mount Sylvan. I've been having some medical tests done at a hospital nearby. I went for testing three days in a row, always with the same routine. I parked in the same small parking lot, walked through the double doors leading to the first floor cardio testing area, turned right at the gift shop, and signed in at the desk. I always exchanged some casual conversation with the same young and very pleasant blonde receptionist. There was a small sitting area across from her desk with a door leading to the phlebotomy lab right behind her cubicle. The door to the lab was always open, though, and the sight of patients sitting in the exact type of chairs, even the same color, that I saw my late wife sit in for her chemo treatments was just too gut-wrenching. She died a year ago. I even heard a patient in the lab comment on the new chairs, and a nurse replied that the hospital's oncology department had donated them. I decided to sit across the hall anyway. Last Friday, my husband went back to the hospital with me to hear the test results. He had never been there before. Usual routine. We parked, walked in, turned past the gift shop, and there was no check-in area. I stood and stared in total shock. No desk, no chairs, no blonde receptionist, and the door to the lab was on another wall. The other sitting area was just as before. I started to walk up and down the hall searching for my check-in area, but it was nowhere to be seen. A doctor walked by, noticed my confusion, and asked what I was looking for. When I told him that the place I had checked in for my test was missing, he laughed and said that it had been moved to the second floor three years earlier because they needed more space. So, was she tripping, or... I don't know. Was she just on the wrong floor? I'm very confused. I... I don't know. It was like routine, and it just wasn't there. That's weird. Yeah, I don't know about that one. My mother, Eula White, was born in October 1912. She grew up in rural Alabama and Florida in the 1920s. She told a lot of stories of the people and of the events of those days, most of them of interesting but ordinary events. But one day she told me a story of an unusual event that she had directly experienced as a young girl, along with about a dozen other women and children. I remember this event event well, even after all these years, she said, precisely because it was so unusual. In those days, she told me, rural Alabama was still kind of backward. Little electricity and horses and wagons, the only transportation for many farm folk. I remember it was a bright summer day. Early that morning, the other women and I had gathered on the front porch of the Hawkins farmhouse to shell quite a few bushels of peas and beans for preserving and just to talk as we worked. The younger children were playing in the yard. Mr. Hawkins came out on the porch and told Mrs. Hawkins that he was going to town on business. Mr. Hawkins saddled his horse, and as he rode through the big gate directly in front of the porch, Mrs. Hawkins reminded him to bring home a big sack of flour. He answered her with a grunt and rode off. About mid-afternoon, we were still on the porch shelling peas. We looked up and saw Mr. Hawkins approaching the house. The road leading to the house came off the main road and was about 300 feet long and ran directly up to the porch, so we could see him coming quite clearly. Thrown across the saddle in front of him was a large white cloth sack of flour and cradled in his left arm was a brown bag of other groceries. 
We watched as he rode up to the gate, and then he stopped there, waiting for someone to open it. One of the boys ran to the gate and opened it. Then, in full view of all of us women and children, Mr. Hawkins vanished. He just disappeared instantly. We sat there for a second or so, just astonished. Then, terrified, we began screaming. After a few minutes, we calmed down, but were still shaking and confused. We just didn't know what to do. So, after a while, we went back to shelling peas. But all of us, the children too, huddled up there on the porch, afraid. Mrs. Hawkins made one of the boys close the gate. About a half hour later, we look up and again saw Mr. Hawkins riding toward the house with the same white sack of flour across the saddle in front of him and that same brown bag of groceries in his left hand. Again, he rode up to the gate without a sound and stopped. None of us had the nerve to open the gate. (laughs) We were all just too afraid to move. We just sat there staring at him waiting to see what would happen next. Finally, to our relief, Mr. Hawkins spoke. Well, is someone going to open the gate for me? (laughs) Mr. Hawkins' mother said, got there before he arrived. Weird. The heck did they see? I don't know. It's not like... So, I mean, it's not really understandable, but it'd be more understandable if you saw the real thing first... Yeah, because and then, then it would be residual. Yeah. But this was before. Yeah. What the heck? And multiple people saw it. It's mm-hmm. not like it was just one person. And like it was they clear even... enough that the boy got up yeah. and opened the gate. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. That's crazy. This one starts off. I swear this is a true story. <laughs> My husband was carting wheat in the summer of 1994. He was outside Molong in NSW, Australia, hmm. and drove past a for sale sign on a gate on a farm gate along with the agent's details. Our 12-year-old son was with him. On the return journey, they stopped, climbed through the fence, and walked up the circle-shaped drive to have a closer look at the old house. He said he could see through the window and found the old house old and abandoned. On his return home a few days later, we we rang up the agent and asked for further details about the property, as we were interested in purchasing it. The agent had no idea what we were talking about and insisted that he had no properties for sale on that road. A week later, my husband and I drove to Molong to have a look at the farm ourselves. We drove up and down the whole road until we were almost to the next town. All that he could recognize was a water tank on the hill a creek, and some trees where the house used to be. There was no gate, drive, real estate sign, or house. Whoa. What the heck? I don't know. See, and that's, like, what would be the point of that? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Why would, I mean, if it was, like, fade or something, and I, that, what, why, and why, how did he get that specific agent's number? Like, that's yeah. so weird. That the number he had was for an actual agent. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what the heck? No. This happened when I was about eight. My friend and I were sitting on his, on his yard, I guess in his yard, while some kids rode their bikes down a downhill driveway. A car came down the road and stopped at a house. A kid got out and ran inside making noises that kids around his age make. Then a girl rode her bike down the driveway. A couple of minutes after this happened, the same car went down the road, stopped at the house. The same kid got out of the car and ran inside screaming the exact things he had been saying. Then the girl went down the hill on her bike again. I looked over to my friend and he said he had no idea what just happened. So they saw a scene basically and then a few minutes later the exact same thing happened again that, that's again that's like what yeah i don't know that's weird <laughs> that's really freaking weird uh-huh. oh my gosh on a hiking trip when i was 16 i got separated from my group i wandered around for hours looking for them i came to the edge of a cliff overlooking a small lagoon i attempted to yell for help when the edge i was standing on gave way as i started to fall the thought of my death began flowing through my mind before i reached the halfway point of my fall i saw a strange shadow approach me out of the corner of my eye the form of a black-haired woman appeared from the shadow dressed in what appeared to be animal hides 
Her eyes were what I noticed most, though. One a silvery blue, the other a glowing green. She grabbed hold of me in her small arm, but in her small but strong arms, and our fall began to seemingly slow. We landed softly, almost like a feather, next to the small lagoon. I asked her if she was an angel. She smiled at me and said no. All she told me was that this place belonged to her, then turned and walked into the shadows of the forest and disappeared. I shortly met up with my group and told them what had happened. They laughed at me and said no place like the lagoon was around here. We went home. I returned the next week and determined to find her. I retraced all my steps, but the lagoon and the cliff were gone. So did, did he fall? Yeah, I started to, but this lady came out and caught him and they softly fell to the ground. So, oh my gosh, I'm so confused. Did his friends see him fall? No, he wasn't with his oh, friends. Oh, okay, okay. He got lost. I see. Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. <laughs> I thought his friends were like watching him fall and then they were like, <laughs> that didn't happen. No. Like, I was very confused. <laughs> no, it said they got lost and he was looking for his okay. friends and I that's see. when he saw the lagoon. And, okay. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah. Weird woods woman. <laughs> This is the story of my mother's experience that took place near her home in Jersey City, New Jersey during the mid-1930s. My great-grandfather Valentine was living in a boarding house a few blocks from his daughter, my grandmother Sarah. One day, Sarah got word that her father was not only about to be evicted, but was about to be committed to a mental institution. When she got to the boarding house, my great-grandfather was shaking and drooling. She looked at her dad and said, Pop, do you want to come live with me? Her dad inquired, do you have the room? She replied, we'll make room. So my great-grandfather moved in with his daughter and her children. According to my mother, a few days after this incident, the boarding house and landlady disappeared. There had been no explosion. It was not torn down, not moved. It simply vanished as if it never existed. Huh. Weird. So was it like just there for him and then when he decided to leave it was gone? I don't know. That's freaking weird. <laughs> I live in London and it was late October 1969 and I was walking home late one Saturday night. I had to walk through an underpass which was under the busy north circular road. It was cold and late and I was surprised to see about five kids down there collecting pennies for the guy. Being as firework night 5th november was soon i don't know what any of that meant (laughs) these kids should not have been out that late seeing as the oldest was a girl aged about 12 years old and the others younger what what shocked me were their clothes their attire made me think they had come straight out of the 1920s or 1930s london their speech could have been taken straight from a charles dickens novel I heard one young boy say, that other gent gave me a florin. At his age, there is no way he could have known what a florin was, an old English coin for the then two shillings. (laughs) This was the late 1960s, and kids certainly didn't use words like gent anymore. Geezer or bloke, perhaps. The girl approached me saying, evening, sir. Penny for the guy, please, sir. Her politeness shocked me, but I said I hadn't any money. She slid her arm through mine, and she ran her hand down my sleeve, saying, Yes, you do, sir. You are a fine gent. You do have money. I assured her I hadn't, and I expected a rude mouthful, but she replied, Okay, thank you, sir. You have a good evening, sir. I knew I had to give these kids something, so I pulled a silver sixpence from my pocket and called her. I threw her the coin, and she gave me a thank you and a beaming smile. I walked off into the night. This experienced this experience bugged me bad. <laughs> Who were those kids from the past? I asked local people if any kids were killed during World War II, but nobody remembered. Did I meet ghosts, kids from the past? I guess I will never know. Holy shit. I love that. Could you imagine like coming upon a bunch of kids in weird old clothes? Yeah, playing? that would be so weird. Oh my gosh. I'd expect them to be, like, black and white. (laughs) (laughs) 
This story takes place in Austintown, Ohio on Route 76 back in 1981. I was 20. Dad asked me if I wanted to look at a house that was for rent. The next morning we went to his mom's house at 5 o'clock for some coffee. She asked what we were doing out so early. Dad told her that we were meeting a realtor at 6 o'clock. At 5.30 we left, getting to the house a couple minutes before 6. As we pulled in the drive, we noticed the yard had not been cared for. The house was a rectangular, two-story dwelling with front windows only on the second floor. As we got out of the van, it was a quiet, calm day except for two kids laughing in the backyard. We figured it was the neighborhood kids from across the street. As we approached the back of the house, there was a swing set with two swings. They were swinging in opposite directions with nobody on them. There was laughter of a boy and a girl. Another quick glance and the swings were still. Dad asked if I had seen that. I had. We proceeded back to the side of the house. We passed the garage. It had two wooden doors with small glass panes. We looked in the window. The garage had a dirt floor and was empty. We walked up to the side porch. The door was unlocked, so we went inside. Dad turned on the switch, but no lights came on. I tried a few with no luck. The inside of the house was weird. There was a large room with doorways branching off. The living room was like none I had ever seen. It was about 10 by 40 with no windows except for the small one in the door. I went back into where Dad was. He was trying to open the basement door, which was locked. Dad asked if I was ready to go. Instead of leaving, he went into the living room and stared out the front door window for about three or four minutes. I was about to go upstairs when I got an eerie feeling, so I stayed in the main area. Dad then came out and asked if I was ready to go again. At that point, Dad made the remark that we hadn't tried that door. We had. It was the locked basement door. He turned the knob and the door opened. The hair on the back of my neck stood up. Now I was getting scared. Dad flipped the light switch and it came on. I was wondering why the other lights didn't come on earlier. Dad proceeded to go down the steps, but I was leery. I went down. The basement was small. There was an old ringer washer with a loaded revolver on the lid. It was like the silver and ivory handled cap guns that kids use today. I picked it up four inches off the lid and out of the corner of my eye I saw a light cord moving. The lights went out and the door slammed shut. It was so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I felt aimlessly from my dad. Holding his shirt, we went up the stairs. At the top, he stopped and let out a blood-curdling scream. It made my blood run cold. I pushed him and he pushed the door open. All the lights were on and it was dark outside. What? After jumping in the the van, Dad turned the headlights on. The garage doors were open. There was a lamb lying on the dirt floor with its throat slashed, jerking violently. Blood was running into the dirt. When we arrived back at my grandmother's, it was 2.30 a.m. She asked where we had been all day. We had lost 21 hours and 5 minutes time in the basement. Later, we drove past the house and all the doors were shut and the lights were out. When I would ask Dad about what he had seen, he would cuddle in the corner and shake like a kid crying. To this day, I don't know what he saw, and I don't want to know. Since he has passed away, I will never know. When I went back in 1987 to see if the house was still there, it was boarded up. There was a large FBI sign on the house stating that for your own safety, stay out. That was weird. Super weird. Okay, the goat and the shaking dad is what really got me. Like, yeah. If I mentioned it, he'd shake in the corner. What? What? That's, yeah, that was weird. What, the, a goat? I'm, what? <laughs> that is crazy. I like the losing time, though. That's creepy. Yeah, that was cool. All right, I think this is the last one. Okay. This happened in 1986 in New York on the road between White Plains and the Throgs Neck Bridge. I was traveling the road one afternoon on my way home from White Plains to Bayside, Queens. The journey required me to travel the Hutchinson River Parkway, pay a 25-cent toll, and cross the Throgs Neck Bridge. The road before the entrance to the Hutchinson River Parkway was confusing. It was easy to miss the exit. I remember nervously looking at the 25 cents on the tray of my Volvo, wishing the toll would come sooner than it did so I could be on my way. That is when I missed the exit. 
I traveled about half a mile beyond it, and then in a panic, I decided to back up on the highway and see if I could get the exit after all. I backed up with oncoming traffic behind me, swerving the car to the shoulder to make the exit (laughs) amid beeping and skidding, but I attained the exit with no damage. Just as I reached the Hutchinson River Parkway and got on it, I heard the siren. It was a highway patrol car coming after me. I figured he witnessed my crazy driving move. As I pulled over, I look in the rearview mirror. The policeman that was getting out of the patrol car was the scariest one I had ever seen. Never mind the boots and the hat and the sunglasses. He just looked completely mean. I looked down at my lap and said out loud, Dear God, I'd rather be anywhere but here. I went into my pocketbook to get my license, and when I look up, my car and I were sitting on the side of the entrance to the Throgs Neck Bridge, well beyond the Hutchinson River Parkway, which I hadn't driven yet. The 25-cent toll was still on the tray in my car. I had this funny feeling that I was frozen, and I did feel stiff, so I flexed my wrists, rubbed my eyes, and looked around. I was still on the entrance to the bridge, a good 20 miles beyond the Hutchinson River Parkway. In order for this to happen, my car and I would have had to have been lifted in the air and placed back down 20 miles up the road. After sitting for about 20 minutes in shock, I put the car in gear and drove over the bridge. Just beyond the bridge was my neighborhood. I always wondered what the cop saw. Did he see me vanish? Did it just unhappen for him? I will never know. That is exactly what I wanted to know. Yeah. Like, is it, is it like one of those other stories where the cops like, I pulled this person over and I was walking up to him and they vanished. (laughs) Or did all of it happen just in like maybe some kind of fast forward thing where they don't remember doing it crazy weird oh my gosh i love it okay so this week i did people who thought they were having paranormal experiences but it turned out to be even scarier oh no in real life so i got this from ranker and it was an article from michael gibson First one is called Alien Tentacle Attack from Chelly the Kid. When I was eight, we were on a long holiday staying with some family in a town called Surat, I guess, in Queensland, Australia. I was staying in their son's room. He had moved to Brisbane for university. Each night, I had the same recurring nightmare of an alien tentacle trying to grab me. After a week, I was terrified of going to sleep, but my parents kept telling me I was just frightened because they were we were staying somewhere new and it would be okay. While I couldn't get to sleep, I kept watching the clock waiting for the sun to come up, terrified of the alien. It was just after 2 a.m. when a large tentacle landed on the bed. I screamed in terror and felt the tentacle wriggling. I jumped out of bed and kept screaming. My parents, aunt, uncle, and sister ran into the room and found me huddled in the corner screaming. Turns out an adult carpet python over 6.6 feet long each night had worked its way under a ceiling tile and onto the bed. I still have an Indiana-style fear of snakes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's horrible. I know. Alien tentacle. (laughs) That's kind of funny. It's horrible. This one's called Devil Inside. It's just from a Redditor. When I was around 11 years old, my family and I would randomly... My family said I would randomly flip out for no reason. We'd be sitting at dinner, and my mom told me on more than one occasion, I'd throw my silverware across the room and start cursing and wailing at my brother. Completely unprovoked, I'd start beating the shit out of my then 8- and 10-year-old brothers, and one time I even hit my grandma. It got to the point where I'd have to eat by myself. The worst part of it, I'd had no no memory of these outbursts at all. I had no idea why my brothers were afraid of me, why I'd have to eat alone every night, and why everyone seemingly hated me. It was an extremely alienated child, childhood experience, to say the least, and for some time I was suicidal. Not in action, but indefinitely thought. My teachers, friends, and other family members couldn't understand what my family was talking about. To them, I was the sweetest, smartest, and humblest kid they'd ever met. I was loved by everyone outside of my home. My mom brought me to a psychologist, therapist, and at one point a Catholic priest. 
She actually thought I may have shown signs of being possessed. She told them that I had, quote, become a different kid in front of their eyes. And because I had no recollection of anything she'd been talking about, but seeing the extent of what she was willing to do to get to the bottom of it, I was inclined to believe her. One day with my dad, I went to the movies and fell in the lobby and hit my head. I gave myself a pretty nasty concussion. To make a long story short, a CT scan had been done and they found that I had a cyst in my head. The cyst was the size of a baseball and growing. Oh my, gosh. my brain was being crushed against the side of my skull, causing severe damage. We went to a neurologist who saved my life. He said that falling and hitting my head was a miracle because I was mere weeks away from dying in my sleep of a hemorrhage. He said that I'd need to be in surgery by the end of the week. It was at that point that he asked my mom why they hadn't brought me in sooner. She said, well, I'm not a neurologist, so he said, I'm sure he's been showing signs of something going wrong. Outbursts of anger, memory loss, unexplained nodes bleed, severe depression. I'll never forget the look on my mom's face. Her eyes widened and she turned to look at me, grabbed my face, and started sobbing uncontrollably. I still get emotional thinking about this. She just kept saying, I'm sorry, over and over. Tears poured down her face. I just looked into her eyes and said, it's okay, mommy. I'm going to get better soon. That was 22 years ago. The doctor saved my life and there are no complications after the surgery. The outburst had completely stopped and after only one month of recovery, I was back in school and had gotten honor roll for the first time. I was able to fix my relationships with my brother and being the best brother I could be for them. And for the last two years of my grandma's life, I made sure I told her I loved her every day and never said anything even remotely nasty to her. That surgery fixed me in so many ways, and I owe it all to a slip and fall at a movie theater. I was wondering at the beginning of that if it, if he was going to end up like having seizures or something. Yeah, well, and these, I noticed that these stories just show you how fucked up the human brain is. Mm-hmm. Like what what your mind immediately goes to that's not it at all yeah like yeah so next one is called they should have called the police first instead of a priest this is from apostate 456 this did not happen to me but it happened in my city where i uh went to high school a family thought that their house was haunted because things like furniture and objects would randomly move or go missing This went on for several months. They even reached out to their pastor to bless the house. While the house wasn't haunted, it turned out that a drifter had wandered in at some point and been living in their attic. He would come out when the family was at work and eat their food and go through their things for cash and stuff to sell. One day, one of the family members came home unexpectedly and caught them, called the police for an active break-in. The cops quickly discovered that had been what was going on. Mm. That's so creepy. I'm glad my house is as small as it is. Oh my gosh, I know. Nobody can hide in my house. I know, me too. Like, <laughs> they'd be standing in the corner and I'd be like, get, what the um, fuck are you doing here? Get out of my house. Get the fuck out. You can't hide. <laughs> like, <laughs> not to mention my animals be all over. Yeah, seriously. They'd, they'd be like, lick people to death. trying to hide. <laughs> Leia would be like wagging her tail, trying to get in you his lap. Play? You want to play? Pet me. Pet me. Pet me. <laughs> oh goodness okay next one is called either way the dog knew from my redditor my uncle bought an old house 150 years old or so as a fix fix up project if you went up the stairs you had the option to turn either right or left left led to a series of bedrooms and right had a landing and one bedroom past it if you took the dog upstairs she would cry and run away if you tried to take her right My cousin insisted that the bedroom to the right was haunted, thus the frightened dog. Later, we worked on the house and found that the landing to the right was structurally unsafe. To this day, we wonder, did the dog know the landing was unsafe somehow, or was there something more sinister at play? Hmm. That's crazy, though. Can dogs sense if a landing is unsafe? Maybe. You never know. Huh. Very interesting. Dogs are just crazy like the things that they sense and Mm -hmm. just crazy next one is called the man in the living room from a lauren 07 
When I was younger, I was home alone. I had been downstairs in the living room and suddenly felt uncomfortable being down there alone. So I decided to go to my room. I got about halfway up the stairs when I felt this horrible sense of dread and panic and I looked back and saw this complete silhouette of a man, complete from head to toe, standing in the corner at the bottom of the steps. <laughs> I could feel him looking at me even though there were no eyes. I ran up, to the, ran up the stairs and locked myself in my room until my mother got home. It wasn't until late, years later that I was diagnosed with schizophrenia, which explained that happening and a lot of other things that I was going through seeing and hearing i've gotten more used to these things i've seen and heard over the years and the medic medication helps immensely but i remember that moment so clearly because it scared me so deeply i'll never forget it hmm. that is scary yeah and again what your mind does to you is fucked uh next one is called the terror below from malgain I had a friend who was staying at a ski lodge and went outside to, at night to smoke a cigarette. While he was out there, he said he seemed, it seemed like an invisible monster was coming right at him. He heard it stomping, even smelled it, felt its breath as it charged him, and then it passed through him and it was gone. Turns out a grizzly bear was stomping its way around on the floor directly underneath where he was. That's weird. I know. I wasn't going to put that one in there because, I mean, I don't, it was just weird, but yeah. super weird. But could you imagine, like, hearing and smelling something really close but not exactly knowing where it is? Yeah, and, that would be, that would be scary. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. <laughs> this one's great. This is called The True Family Curse um, by Redditor regretty i think when i was younger i used to think my family was cursed maybe it was how superstitiously i was raised or maybe i just had seen practical magic too many times but it seemed pretty natural at the time of course we were cursed there were no men in the family of course there were no there were men at one point but they all disappeared us kids never really got details but we would get an get the memo at the next family gathering that one of our uncles or fathers went missing there were never any funerals or divorces it was just missing it didn't take long for there to be no men whatsoever everyone had daughters anyway so i just assumed we were cursed no men were born in the family and the ones who married in to it all died mysteriously Years later, when I was 15, my mom confessed to me that she used to be in the mafia. Oh my god. Now she was out. That was a shock, but it would but that would be fine if that was the end of it. As it turns out, she wasn't the only one. Almost every person I'm related to is involved in one way or another. I think this is what happened to the men in my family. Eight unexplained disappearances over a period of just a few years. All never seen or heard from again. All presumed dead and all involved in the mafia. I think it's safe to assume that the curse is no longer the leading cause of death. What makes it really scary is that I have no have reason to suspect that some of my family members are still involved to this day. Oh. That's so funny, though, to have a kid's, <laughs> you know, kid's thought about, oh, our family's cursed. <laughs> Uh, next one is called Somebody's Watching from Wayward Writer. A previous owner had died in one of my childhood homes. Strange things happened there that drove us and my dog absolutely nuts. It became unexpectedly creepy when my sister, who was sleeping in the basement apartment, began insisting that somebody was watching her at night. We later found an old camera hidden in the walls and uh. learned that said previous owner was arrested for spying on the girl who rented the basement apartment. Uh. Could you imagine, though? Like, that's crazy to sense something's watching you, but it's a video camera. Yeah. Ooh. That's crazy. Next one is called Nightmare Mom from TX Dahlia. As a young kid, I had nightmares of waking up to see my mother hovering over my bed by the window. She just blankly scared, stared down at me and my sister. I'd get so scared yelling, Mom, Mom, and she'd never responded. 
I knew it was not my mom. When I was older, I told my aunt about it, and she told me that they weren't dreams. It was real. My mom would go into our rooms randomly to check on us. She had a serious mental mental health issues that got worse over the years. Occasionally, she would have episodes of anxiety and something happening to us and guard us at night. Due to the traumatic death of her first child, it apparently triggered obsessive anxiety when we were younger. I now know the whole fucked up backstory and can sympathize with why it would make any parent get to that mental state, but I still shudder when I think of the blank face stare. I still tend to associate the nightmare mom as not being my mom. That's weird. It's why wouldn't she respond? Yeah. I mean she I was like freak a, anybody out. Well, she had mental health yeah. issues and losing a child, I can't imagine. Oh, I could not imagine no. no. I'd probably I I could imagine me doing the same thing, just like I have to stay awake, I have to watch them, I have you know, like mm-hmm. I oh God, poor thing. Um next one called the blind dog barked at something that was there (laughs) this is by toothpaste nachos (laughs) ew okay i had a blind dog growing up and she barked at things that were there and things that weren't one night around midnight she woke my mom up and me uh my dad's too heavy of a sleeper by barking at the wall next to the back door i woke up i was maybe nine so i went right back to sleep My mom got up and ushered her back to bed. That same night, an arsonist hit my neighborhood. He set the fire to the luckily vacant house for sale, and it burned to the ground. Following his footsteps in the snow, he then passed between my bedroom and our garage and nearly lit our garage. Then our dog and my mom woke up, and we think that was what scared him away. He went across the street and burned our neighbor's garage instead. Then he stood in their front yard and watched it burn. He walked out onto the street, and they lost his footsteps. They never caught him. Oh. Holy shit. So that little doggy knew there's yep. some guy out there. They hear everything. I know. That's the best I know. part about I having know. a dog. Um, this one's called The Halos from Fried Back. Fried Back? Fried Back. Oh. Okay. Yeah, people come up with some weird names. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, when I was about 13, I was sitting in church and startled and and started seeing glowing halos around people's heads. I was scared, but also thought I was having a religious experience. Turns out it was, I was seeing auras that precede intense migraines. They gave me something to take as soon as the visual disturbances occurred. Mm. So yeah, that was another thing that your brain just did that's crazy. Yeah. This one's called Strange Noise from Above, from Older and Tired. (laughs) (laughs) For several months during my senior year of high school and all through the summage... (laughs) Summage? Are you getting tired? I think so. (laughs) Summer, before I left for college, I kept hearing noises coming from the attic above my bedroom. I would only hear it at night, and I told my parents and brothers that it sounded like someone walking in the attic and dragging a chain on the ground. My dad even had me go to sleep on the couch one night so he could sleep in my room to try and hear it. My older brother went up into the attic and nothing. I left for college and didn't really think much of it. When I returned from my first visit home, my dad revealed he had found a slow leak in one of the pipes that rotted a hole in the ceiling above my bed. The drip of water had been ricocheting around the pipes, sounding like dragging chains. Hmm... That's scary. They'll have a leak right above your bed where well, it could that's, fall. I was thinking, of, yeah, I was thinking about like the ceiling was getting ready to fall yeah. or something. Yeah. Next one is called The Spirit Who Had It Out For Them. And it's from Drunk in a Bookstore. That sounds kind of fun. I know. It actually <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> Okay, when I was with my ex, we lived with his parents for a bit in a kind of granny flat above their garage. I'd often take naps through the day while he was at work, and stuff would inexplicably move around or go missing while I was asleep. Never happened when he was at home or when I was awake. 
I was convinced the place was haunted, and whatever spirit it was had it out for me. Turns out his dad had been coming in and doing this, with the intention of making it look like I was nuts, so I would be discredited when I spoke out against his abusive son. Ugh. Dick. So, dick and dick. Uh, yeah. Wonder where he gets it. Hmm. Ugh. Okay. Next one is The Smoker, The Snow, The Song, and The Stroke. <laughs> From me, his. I think. My family has a farm that is pretty isolated. I spent the winter break there alone when I was 17. I would be alone Monday to Friday, and my dad and brother would come on the weekends as it was a Christmas school break. I had some meat and a smoker next to the house. It's like a separate shed with a pizza oven where we smoke dry the meat and keep the logs and wood for the fireplace for the house. It was around 3 a.m. and had been snowing for a few days. As I was walking from the house to the smoker, I was admiring the noise it was making. Kind of like pouring sugar in a bowl. I checked up on the fire. I checked up on the fire in the smoker, made sure it was lit, and some more firewood and got some more firewood for the house and went to bed. Then I heard and then I heard it. Silence. Complete and utter silence. At first I thought it was st- I thought it had stopped snowing, but the snow was still falling the same way it was a minute ago. Then I heard a faint song, like a lullaby of a woman singing a baby to sleep. Nothing other than this song could be heard. I ran to the house and locked myself in the bedroom. Nothing happened and I didn't hear the sound again. When my dad came a few days later, he just shrugged it off and said, it may be time to go back home. I went home with him that Monday and have never spent a day on my own in that house since. It was a few months later that I found out what had really happened. The farm is in a small village populated mostly by old people. Some of them have no family and live alone. One old lady went missing that winter, but no one reported it since she had no family or friends who would notice. She lived in a small house on the far side of the forest with no electricity. She most likely had a stroke at some point or needed some other sort of help as she went through the woods toward our house. The lights in our house were on, so that might be might be why she came to it. So the old woman tried to walk through the through the woods and couldn't speak and fell into a hole like a dried up river basin and got stuck there and died. She was found a few months later in the woods, which are approximately two miles from our house. I'll never forget the sound she made and how it sounded exactly like an old lullaby. Not sure if it was because of the stroke or if I imagined it. I was not okay for some time. Hmm. Next one is called Electricity is Powerful by Never Did Learn. (laughs) Whole family in camp trailer at a sweet little place with full hookups. Kids were asleep. It was late. Campground was totally quiet. A flash of light no bigger than your thumbnail lit the whole trailer up in blue smoke and odd an odd smelling flash wife and i are certain it was a ghostbusters type of weird shit went outside nothing but that odor and total darkness apparently lightning had struck a power transformer three miles away that finally grounded out right next to our trailer and overnight the power pole simply smoldered away from the center out hmm <laughs> those transformers can be scary though when they especially if it gets hit by lightning oh i know they're super loud and this is my last one from redditor bear stonewall one night when i was about 15 i felt as if i was literally thrown out of bed i woke up as i was falling to the floor but it wasn't as if i'd simply slid off the side i had a feeling i was of being tossed up and over then landed a couple of feet away a few minutes later after my half asleep self had been lying back in bed and creeped out i began to hear sirens then i saw red and blue lights of police cars and fire trucks pass by my house what threw me out of bed was a shock wave from a house explosion a gas leak ignited and obliterated a house two blocks from mine 15-year-old me realizes, realized there were no ghosts involved, but now I have a fear of my house just exploding with me and my whole family inside. Mm. 
that is scary i know especially dead asleep and then like something's happening and even even when you're fully awake and something's happening your brain is like you know yeah it takes a minute for it to catch up yeah so like fully asleep and then you're like on the floor that is so scary those were mine those were good time for the witty wrap-up yay witty wrap-up so i did um funny tombstones that actually exist oh i've seen some of these okay so um the first one it's one big tombstone but it's got two people's things on it yeah um the first saying said i told you i was sick (laughs) and then the second one says and i was sick of hearing it Oh, that's cute. <laughs> you know, husband and wife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's another tombstone that says, well, this sucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Merv Griffin. Um, I think he was a news, news person or something. Okay. His says, I will not be right back after this message. Oh, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh rodney dangerfield i didn't know he was dead oh yeah oh yeah he actually i i don't think he died that long ago oh okay well his tombstone says there goes the neighborhood <laughs> you know he had to have something close oh, yeah. on his tombstone uh the next one is it just looks like a regular tombstone it's got the you know uh birth date and death date and then it says oh well whatever (laughs) yeah i mean what are you gonna do (laughs) there's another tombstone it says i was hoping for a pyramid (laughs) so mel blank who was the creator of bugs bunny elmer fudd daffy duck porky pig And his tombstone says, that's all, folks. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, there's another tombstone. It says, LOL. <laughs> that's just their initials, but they spell out LOL. That's great. <laughs> another one that says, hee hee. That's just their last name. Yeah. I don't know how you spell or how you say it, but it looks it, like I mean, how else? Looks like he. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that says swing. <laughs> That's great. Another SNL uh-huh. reference. I love it. Okay, this one was an IT guy. It says connection reset by peer. He came, he saw, he logged out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Next one says, now I know something you don't. Oh, I like that. Yeah. This one is uh, Kay's Fudge Recipe. Oh. So it's got the whole, it's got the list of ingredients. That's awesome. Um, And then at the bottom it says, wherever she goes, there's laughter. You know she was like, you can have this fudge recipe over my dead body. Yep. And that's exactly (laughs) what it is. There you go. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Here's one that says, here lies John Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. (laughs) Oh, that's great. And then there's another one. It's the Ouija, Ouija board. Nice. Um, this one says, I came here without being consulted and I leave without my consent. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Edith Tina Barlow, born 1941, died 1991. It says shit happens. Yeah, shit happens. She's only 50. That's sad. That sucks. Uh, this one says she always said her feet were killing her, but nobody believed her. Oh. I don't know that one. I, I really want to know how she died. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, the next one. Damn, it's dark down here. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. Sucks to be me. Oh. <laughs> 
this one says raised four beautiful daughters with only one bathroom and still there was love oh that's impressive yes this one was a golfer at last a hole in one (laughs) (laughs) must not be a very good golfer (laughs) okay so this one it says you've got to stand very close to this headstone in order to read it once you get up close and personal you can see that it says if you can read this you're standing on my boobs I want that on my tombstone. (laughs) Get off my boobs. (laughs) That's all I got. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Send in your stories. We want to hear them, please. Ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. Anything. We'll take it. You can look us up on Facebook. um, Join the group rate review subscribe wherever you listen that will really help we need more listeners send in your stories please please ghouls night out podcast at gmail.com if you didn't catch it two seconds ago (laughs) and we will talk to you next week later bye